Welcome to the Expert Ownership Podcast, where we launch faith-filled entrepreneurs into greater freedom and success. But you know what? It's more than that. We want to help you thrive in the midst of today's cancel culture. Our goal is to raise up workplace warriors who will stand for what they believe in, whatever the cost. You can find out more by visiting expertownership.com. But without further ado, here we go. Welcome back to the Expert Ownership Podcast. I'm David Benham. I've got my little brother Jason here with me. Why do you always oh, say little? Uh, you because need to stop. you are little. You're I'm actually much, bigger than you. You're too. No, you are not. I, I got. I weigh more than. I you. got a bigger chest. You got a bigger butt. <laughs> so I guess the butt weighs more than the chest. Well, we are in Charlotte, North Carolina, at Jason's home studio, where we do our marriage mentorships out here, and it's a beautiful day in Charlotte, North Carolina. Very thankful for this awesome region, this awesome area today. We are going to talk about wisdom and the eight traits of wisdom and why is it important for us to have wisdom. And I just want to start with saying, what is wisdom? Now, wisdom is not knowledge. A lot of times we think of wisdom as like wise people. Well, they just know a lot. Wisdom doesn't, that's only one half of wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge applied. Yeah. Bob Gladstone, a good mentor of my brother and I, he's a Heaven's, Heaven Rules Ministries. He's awesome. And I heard that definition from him first. Wisdom is knowledge applied. It's the application of knowledge. It's submitting to God. It's listening and hearing God. It's getting into his word. It's knowing what he says is right, true, and just, and doing it. Yeah, That is wisdom. And when we prize wisdom, the Bible teaches us that it's worth more than gold. Yeah. It is worth more than rubies. It is an amazing thing. It's what Solomon asked for. When God appeared to Solomon in a dream, and he said, ask whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. Can you imagine that? Like most of us would ask for like either like lots of money or, or long life and health or strength or whatever it may be. But he says, give me wisdom. He learned that from his dad, David. Mm-hmm. King David taught him to value and prize wisdom. So the, the context of our conversation today is knowledge applied. The knowledge of God applied to your life, submitted to and applied to every area of your life. So Jason, give us the eight traits of wisdom. Well, we're going to go through the eight traits of wisdom because they're found directly in the book of James, James chapter three. And James is talking, and this is so great because David and I, you know, we're talking to marketplace people. That's, that's where we, we, God has called us to strengthen those in the marketplace. We do believe the next great move of God will be amongst believers in the marketplace, but we need wisdom in the marketplace. Just as God asked Solomon what he wanted, you know, what's one thing that you want and I'll give it to you. God asks us the same thing. This isn't just special to Solomon. He asks us too. So you are allowed to go to God and ask him for things, ask him for wisdom. And what we're going to see right. in James chapter three is we're going to see eight traits of wisdom. And we're going to go through these. By the J- way, Jesus promises before James in the gospels that if we do ask for wisdom, we will get it. We're going to get it. It's a promise. Going to get it. So ask for it. All right. James chapter three, verse 16. Listen to this. It's <laughs> so crazy because think about this in terms of your employees fighting with each other for where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder of every and every vile practice. Sounds like my house 10 years ago when yeah. my kids were young. Jealousy or envy. It says envy in some translations. Envy is not just wanting what another person has. It's want. It's not wanting them to have it. It's wanting it at the exclusion of them having it. It's like, I want it. I don't want them to have it. You know, That's what envy is. Selfish, amb- amb- selfish ambition is using your energy to get something for yourself at the exclusion of others. Mm-hmm. So if you want what other people have, 
at the exclusion of them having it, that means you have envy. If you're willing to do something about it, you have you have now selfish ambition. And if you've got both of those together, you're a bad, bad person. Disorder. <laughs> yeah. Evil. It's disorder. Yeah. Right? So both of these together are recipe for disaster. But what we're going to look at are eight traits that come in the very next verse. But this is what James says. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, and gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. That's so cool. So let's look at each of these. And I might use a little different words because there are different translations that say different things. But let's look at the true wisdom, eight traits. First, it's pure. So so purity sits at the foundation. So it's being free from sinful pollution. You know, it's, it's David and I know this in 2003, when we first started our business, we're praying it's in January, it's freezing cold in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're praying, asking God to open doors for us and real estate. And we had no idea where to, where to go, what to do. And one of the first things God convicted us of was purity. God's like, be personally pure in every area of every, no gossip, no bitterness in your heart. I mean, you know, we think Purity oftentimes, oh, don't look at this or do that or whatever. No, no, no. It's oftentimes, the impurities sit at the subconscious level. It's when you hear that person's name, nothing yeah. but negativity comes up. Yeah, no maybe, negative self-talk. Yeah, you got bitterness toward other people. Like you got to clean that stuff up. Yeah. You got to give people the benefit of the doubt. You got to be have soft edges. You know, so it starts with purity. If you want the wisdom from above, you want the wisdom that God wants to give you so that you can run your business the way that he wants you to run your business, well, then purity is where it starts. And, you know, even in the marketplace, oftentimes we can be in a marketplace or in a situation where we realize, well, that's just not pure. Or like even going to uh, after hours with the employees, and it, sometimes it's pure, but a lot of times it's not. And it's like, well, I need this to advance uh, in rank at the, at the office or whatever. It's like, no, 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 no. The wisdom that's from above is pure. So we can be God's pure people. And we know in Scripture in the book of First and Second Peter, he's very clear that without holiness, no one will see God. Yeah. And the Lord tells us, blessed are the pure, for they will see the kingdom. The kingdom belongs to the pure. Yeah. So it's not just pure. Number two, it's peaceable. Or as, as some um, versions say, peace-loving. So who, who's that? Who's the, what, what type of person is a wise person? They're someone who can bring peace. So they are thermostats, not thermometers. A thermometer reflects the environment. And then it elevates if the environment is crazy. So you walk into your office and everybody's you know up in arms about something, and then you get up in arms. No, no, no. That's a that's what a thermometer does. A thermostat, on the other hand, regulates the temperature of the room. If it's too cold in there, they warm it up. If it's too hot, they cool, they cool it, down. it down because they're peaceable. They're they're peace loving. That's right. You know there is a peace that can be had only on the other side of war. We understand exactly that. Right. It's like right now we're at peace with Russia. We're nothing like Russia. We're at peace. Why? Because we're honoring each other's boundaries. So a peaceable person and wisdom is honor people's boundaries. That's right. You know what the definition of an enemy is in the scripture? Anyone who's crossed your boundary. So you can have a best friend cross their boundary and you've now become an enemy. This is how spouses end up as enemies. And they're like, well, no, I really do love you. I'm like, yeah, but your behavior going you know, in that direction or with what you said, crossed a boundary for your spouse. And now you guys are enemies. So we need to let you know that y'all are enemies. And now we need to get you back to friends and lovers. Right. That's right. So true wisdom is first pure, then it's peaceable. Then you know what it is. This is a convicting one for me. It's gentle. Mm. Gentle is also considerate. 
It's not hurtful. Yeah. It considers how your words and actions affect others. Well, you know, you think about it. We used to be trained. I mean, we grew up in Dallas. So the whole idea of being a gentleman, we got that in public school. We got that in our private school. We got that pretty much in the culture. But now you don't see that with these young men anymore. It's very much like faux pas, toxic masculinity. And what we've thrown out um, is the, the idea of being a gentleman which is to be considerate of others, which is to be considerate of women around you, holding doors open for others, standing and giving up your seat, especially when there's an older woman that's standing there. And, you know, just the whole idea of being a gentleman, and that's not just in the chivalry terms, but it's gentle in every area of life, which is considering others better than yourself. And and, and so now as a, as business owners, David and I have seen the, the destruction of this. David and I very, you know, like to, like to have fun, poke fun and, you know, when we're in locker rooms, literally growing up in locker rooms, if you're not getting made fun of or making fun of somebody, then they don't, then you, they don't like you or you don't like them. Right. Well, but then all of a sudden you find yourself in other situations where you don't need to be talking like that and you could actually hurt people. David and I have had to apologize to employees. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make fun of your shoes. Like, you know, because then they never wore them again. You don't realize that as, as an employer, that you have more power in the relationship than the employee. And you have to you have to use that power in a way that builds them up and doesn't tear them down. You got to be gentle. And it, tearing them down is not just a matter of saying mean things; it's also pointing certain things out that don't need to be pointed out. Idiosyncrasies that people do. I'm I was always bad about that. So that's not being gentle or considerate. So as leaders, we've got to be gentle. We got to be considerate. Okay, number four, reasonable, reasonable. Some that wisdom is willing to use common sense. You know what's common sense? Putting others above yourself. That makes common sense. That's common sense. Well, this is also says open to reason. And what we see to, in today's culture, especially on social media, is especially the radical left and some of the extreme right, they're not open to reason. You're not even thinking. Like we're, we, we keep hearing some of these limperisted preachers say, well, we need to have these conversations. I'm like, well, they don't want to have a conversation with us. They want to annihilate the Christian faith out of the public square. That ain't open to reason. Well, because they're not wise. So we have to be wise. We have to be open to reason. We've got to be reasonable people. You want to be reasonable. Number five, you also want to be merciful. If you want to to walk in wisdom, you got to be merciful. And what does that mean? Full of mercy. It's like you're ready to show mercy when others mess up. You're not walking around with that hammer. hammer. Now, what what mercy is fake mercy whenever there is no judgment there. And what I mean by judgment is not being judgmental, but agreeing with the judge. Mm -hmm. So someone cheats in your office or somebody does something, they lie on a, on a real estate transaction or something. They need to be able to see that what they did was wrong. And at that point, you now have the opportunity to give mercy. If they do not see that it was wrong and now you just kind of gloss it over and supposedly give them mercy, you've not helped them. You've not made, you've not done justice. So mercy cannot be had without judgment or agreeing with the judge on what is right and what is wrong. I like the translations that say full of mercy. So you're ready to show mercy. Like you're not the type of person that that's just walking around like you, you've got it out for people. And this is where I, I, I defer to Dr. John Gottman, who's got the five to one rule and the 20 to one rule that for every one negative interaction, if you want to maintain equilibrium in a relationship, you have to have five positive interactions. But if you want to actually grow in your relationship and and get better, you know, in terms of the way that you interact with people, you have to have 20 positive interactions to every one negative. I have seen people, I have seen leaders, they will point out 
the negative stuff that the people do, but then they they might point out one or two positive things they do. But typically, it's one to one. It's for every positive, there's a negative. No, no, no. Your relationship will get worse, and those people will quit. You can't do that. So just don't forget the five to one and the twenty to one rule. So you're full of mercy. Um, number six, decisive. This is unwavering, where you make a decision and you stick with it. I'm telling you, this is an issue with kids today. And this is why they're having a hard time getting jobs. It's like, hey, can you go mow that lawn? Um, yeah, okay, yeah, I might be able to do it then. It just depends on if, if I meet my buddies at Chipotle. You know, <laughs> I'm like, no, stop. You be decisive. Make a decision. Go with it. You know, we've also said in our Living Among Lions live stream Bible study that if you don't know which direction to go, Pick one and go, and then listen to God. Yeah. A ship that's moving is easier to steer than a ship sitting still. Yeah, don't just sit there and do nothing. That's that's not wisdom. Pick one and start listening. And pace yourself. Don't sprint. But my translation, the the, uh, English Standard Version says impartial, and I think that's important because... Well, that's actually... I split that into into the seventh one. So you brought that up, but let's just go ahead and dive into that. That would be number seven is impartial. So impartial, go ahead. Yes, because what we see with today's social media world is there's just such partiality toward someone that's got a big following or someone, you know, even with this whole race thing, you know, you're you're partial toward one skin color or the other or whatever, or you're partial toward uh, poor or, uh, you know, uh, rich or whatever. You know, there's true wisdom is impartial. True wisdom, the only way you can be impartial is when you actually have a standard. Yeah. Without a standard of right and wrong, then you you will naturally be partial. And that's what we're seeing in the culture today because we eliminate standards. We're eliminating God's rules, God's ways, God's ordinances, God's statutes. And therefore, now we're just partial toward whoever the political party is or whoever the culturally uh, relevant person is that that's going to get us a little bit more push or likes or views on social media, which is very similar to what you see with Harry and Meghan. I mean, look, for the first time in world history, someone's like, I do not want to be called a duke or a duchess. It's like, oh, you want all the benefits of it. You want all the benefits of the royal family, and you get all those benefits. But now because it's you're being partial to the radical left woke mob, that you're somehow not a duke or a duchess. Are you not a man and a, and a woman? Do you want to renounce that as well? Like, it's just, that's not wisdom. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that stuff's happening all over culture right now. So, But here we are talking wisdom Wisdom's not impartial. It doesn't play favorites. But you know the, the eighth thing is it's sincere. They mean what they say. Like if someone says, hey, yeah, yeah, let's let's do lunch. Do not say that if you don't mean it. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that's not wisdom. I'm guilty of that. We all are. All of us have, have experienced that. But it's sincere. It's like you sincerely want what's best for people and you're true to your word. That you will, like you're willing to, to um, swear to your own hurt, which means that if you've said it and you haven't done it, you got to do it. Otherwise, you're not being sincere. Then that's yeah. not true wisdom. And yeah. I've done that. Even as I'm saying this right now, I'm thinking of a few things. Oh, yeah, I said sure. that. I got to make good on that. You know, when we were kids, our dad would tell us, boys, never take yourselves seriously, but take your message and take your work very seriously. In yeah. other words, be sincere about your message or, or whatever it is God's put in your heart. Be sincere about your work. Do it right, yeah. but don't be a don't be a, a dud. Don't take yourself so seriously and enjoy it. And then this this is so true, and I want to end with this because um, what David and I found is that 
the the clients that we worked with back when we had our um, real estate business going hot and heavy all over the country, that our clients knew that we sincerely cared about them. That sincerity needs to be that you truly care about your customers and your clients. Like you really want what's best for them. And if you're in a business where you can actually get to know them, you can get to know who their kids are. You can ask them about their kids. If somebody's struggling, you can ask them what you can pray for. And you sincerely do that. You're not just doing it so you can make a buck, you know, or make them like you, but you, it's out of the sincerity of your heart. God rewards that. He really does. So, so that's the eight traits of wisdom we pulled directly from James chapter eight. It's, it's purity. It's pure. It's peaceable. It's gentle. It's reasonable. It's merciful, it's decisive, it's impartial, and it is sincere. Okay, you Jason. Wrap those eight traits around your the way you run your, your life and your business and your family and watch how God reacts to that. Okay. Own what? it or own it or loan it. Loan it. No, just hold on. What why would you say that? I don't know. You're not loaning I don't squat. Know. Okay, own it or loan it. Video games. Oh, loan, loan, loan. What, but there are there are dudes, there are adults that play video games. Yeah, it's what's that verse that says you got to put away childish things? But what if they make money off of video games? That's a different story. That's a business. Okay, so yeah. you're loaning recreational video games. Uh huh. What if a, what if an, an adult man says I play video games because it relaxes me? Well, then you know if you've got a a nice little you know thirty minute time frame to it. Okay, fine. But see, with the video games, is it it released it? It's um, what is the, what do they say? Minimum output for maximum input. Like you feel right. as though you're accomplishing a lot when you're not really accomplishing a lot. So your brain is dropping dopamine. Yeah, and therefore it's causing you to feel like like you just mowed the lawn and you feel good about it, but you actually didn't really mow the lawn. You, didn't you just played squat. a video game. Yeah. And so your brain is telling you that you just accomplished a lot when you really didn't. Well, what's happening with young boys? Now, this isn't just grown men, but it turns into grown men. But young boys, they're getting so much dopamine off video games because they're accomplishing so much. Yeah. And this is the way those algorithms are written. And boom, 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 dopamine hit, dopamine. They're not pursuing new level, girls. New level, new level. That they actually are not pursuing girls. It's crazy. They don't have enough dopamine to go and pursue the girls. And this is craziness. Yeah. Well, those boys become men. And I'm just encouraging men drop the habit. Now, if it relaxes you and you can do it for 30 minutes and it's part of a reward and not a part of your routine, yeah. then I would say maybe, but I'm still going to loan it. Yeah. Loan it. I literally see, I didn't know all this stuff. And early, early on 15 years ago, my boys had a gaming system, whatever the one was at the time, Xbox or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. It was 15 years ago. And I walked in and I saw them both like zombies in front of it. And I put it like very strict things and I saw them. And then one of them argued about something and I ripped the thing. I shouldn't have. I was a little bit angry. And I threw that along with like 10 games away and they were bawling their eyes out. But now my boys are like that dad, that was the right thing to do. And I never allow that stuff. Okay. Anyway, sorry. I'm getting all hot and heated. (laughs) Let's have wisdom. Hey, we'll see you guys next week. God bless you.